series that we started just two weeks ago through the book of Philemon. It's one of the shortest books in all the New Testament, but it's an extremely powerful book. It's a book about love and forgiveness, the power of love and forgiveness. There's not a day that goes by in your life that you do not need the love and the forgiveness of God. In the same time, there's not a day that goes by in your life that you do not need to extend the olive branch of love and forgiveness to those people that are around us. So Philemon has been extremely timely, and I pray that it has, we've applied it to our life and we have learned from it. And we close out this morning on the title, Why Should I Forgive? The Bible says in Philemon chapter, uh, the first chapter, verse 19 and following, I, Paul, am writing with my own hand, I will repay. Not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me. For I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark and Aristarchus and Demas and Luke and my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to be with your spirit. Amen. I want to ask a couple of questions this morning, a couple of statements, and see if any of these statements apply to you. Every time I think of the person who has wronged me, I still feel angry. I have a subtle, secret desire to see that person pay for what they did to me. Deep in my heart, I wouldn't mind if something bad happened to that person that hurt me. I sometimes find myself telling others how that person hurt me. If that person's name came up, I am more likely to say something negative about them than something positive. I cannot thank God for that person. If any of those statements are true in your life, there is unforgiveness in your heart. These statements are an indication that we have not been fully forgiven or have extended forgiveness to all those who have sinned against us. We've learned that forgiveness is like breaking out of a prison. Forgiveness is to release the offender of his or her debt. It's to let them go free. It means fully uh, cleansing his record, fully cleaning his record. It is a promise never to bring up the offense against him or to God or to others or to the offender himself. Forgiveness is a promise never to be brought up again. And if there is something in our life that we are holding, a grudge or a a bitterness or unforgiveness, you are in the right place today because you need to leave it here. Leave it here and allow God to forgive and to cleanse your heart and to release you from the prison of unforgiveness. So I want to ask the question, why should I forgive? The question comes a lot in time, Brother John, you don't know what happened. And I don't, but God does. And he allows forgiveness to take place in our life. So why should I forgive? We close this this text, this passage, this book this morning. And Paul is continuing a thought that he had last week. You remember those uh, of of mention here in in Philemon. You remember Paul. Paul is in prison. 
Paul is in Rome. He's writing this letter to Philemon. Paul led Philemon to the Lord. Philemon uh, was the leader of the church of Colossae. They met at his home. Philemon was a businessman. Philemon was a very godly man. Philemon had a worker named Onesimus. He was a slave. Evidently, he stole something from Philemon. He left town, went to Rome, met Paul, got saved, and Paul said, you need to go back. Philemon had every right to have Onesimus put to death because of what he did. And as Paul is writing this letter to a godly man, he's saying, Philemon, I'm writing to you not asking that you would forgive, but knowing because of who you are, I know you will forgive. You are a man who forgives. You are a man who has the action of forgiveness. We looked at that last week. So I want to close this morning with the question, why should I forgive? Number one is in verse 19. Paul says, I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay. Many times Paul would have somebody beside him that would write the letters, the 13 letters he wrote to New Testament churches and some of them even to individuals like Philemon. But Paul took the pen and it's almost like an IOU. I'm writing this with my own hand. If Onesimus owes you anything, I'll take care of that. We learn in verse 18, he says, if he's owned you or owes you anything, put that on my account. He says, I will repay. And notice the last part of verse 19. Not to mention, Philemon, that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have your joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Number one, the reason why I should, why should I forgive is because forgiveness is an opportunity for grace. Forgiveness is an opportunity to display grace. Paul says in this passage in verse 19, I will take care of anything that Onesimus owes. But by the way, Philemon, he says not to mention to you that you owe me even beside yourself. Paul says, Philemon, Onesimus owes you a temporal debt. But Philemon, you owe me a spiritual debt. You see, I was the one that led you to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Philemon, you will always be grateful that God gave me, Paul, the opportunity to share Christ to you. And you accept. You accepted the gospel and now you have a debt that has no price tag that you can never repay that was given to you. I mentioned last week about my testimony, how I was saved as a young boy at Oak Haven Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. And I grew up in a godly home. My mom and dad both are believers and I'm very grateful for that and something that, uh, that, I, that I took for granted growing up, but I don't take it for granted now. My dad was a deacon. They served the Lord. They served in our youth. When I was a youth teenager, they served in our youth group. They went on all the trips and all of those things. I didn't like it then, young people, but I love it now. And I wish I, I cherished that even more. Uh, when I was 18 years old, I surrendered my life to the ministry at a mission refuge camp, University of Mobile. I'll never forget the day. I remember God was dealing with my heart and, and I wanted to be a preacher uh, but there were some things that I wanted to do first. I wanted to play baseball, and I wanted that to, to be the forefront of my life. But God took a hold of that through some circumstances and 
July the 10th of 1996, at 18 years old, I surrendered my life full-time to the gospel ministry. Went down to the church that, uh, that we were attending at the time. God was uh, doing a mighty work in that church, but so was the enemy. Always remember when God works, so does the enemy. And the day I gave, that I surrendered my life to the ministry, as soon as I sat down, my pastor got up and resigned. I, I don't think I was the reason why. I know I wasn't, but there were some things in the church I wasn't aware of. Mom and Dad knew, and we knew that the enemy was, um, had a front seat in that church. And God led us to my home church, which is today, and where my parents still attend, Longview Heights Baptist Church in Olive Branch, Mississippi. I met my pastor, who I call today, Dr. Wayne Marshall. He educated me and told me about Blue Mountain College. I spent one year at Northwest Community College and got my basics out of the way and, and uh, went to work out in the secular world and was able to save up a few things. And I went to Blue Mountain College. From there, I took my first ministry position. It was just a volunteer, a little small church called Mount Zion Baptist Church in Hernando, Mississippi. Church ran about 30 or 40 at the time. There was a man there, a pastor who invested in me. A man who gave me the first opportunity to preach my first sermon. Uh, you wouldn't believe it, but it was only about eight minutes long. And I think there were still people coming in, and I was finished. Um, I didn't know what else to say. I had read the ten pages that I had. Uh, but he invested in me and told me uh, pointers and encouragement about preaching and helped me in some things that I would not learn at Blue Mountain or would not learn at seminary. He invested in me, and he's a still a dear friend to mine today. I love that family very much. From there, God led me to my first pastorate. Uh, this is after Blue Mountain Days, and I'm now a student at Mid-America, Trinity Baptist Church in Eudora, Mississippi, halfway between Hernando and Tunica. I look back on those four years that God took us there. We were newly married, Elizabeth and I, and John Michael was born during that time. How they put up with some poor preaching, how they put up with so many mistakes that I made as a young pastor, and how they just continued to shower us with love and with grace and, and mercy and opportunities to, uh, to be used in the kingdom of God. And those opportunities, I look back and I say, God, there are so many people in my life that is invested in me, so much of a debt that I cannot pay. From there, God led us to Calvary Baptist Church in Fulton, Mississippi. We were only there 18 months. There's a whole lot more of that testimony that I can't share, but that was the time where God gave us a sweet little girl who's in heaven today. And it was through that opportunity that church ministered to us and brought us in and loved us unconditionally. Although we were there a short time, there are debts that I will never, ever repay, spiritual debts of the investment of some members of that church I still talk to today, and it's been over 10 years. From there, God led us to Holly Baptist Church in Corinth, Mississippi, a small traditional church. Kind of have been stagnated for the 140 years of their existence. And God brought us there, and God turned that church absolutely upside down. His spirit worked, people saved, went to two services, the church grew. God did some amazing things, but it was because of the people in that church that invested in my life and invested in the life of my children, invested in the life of my wife. And God kept us there almost eight and a half years until First Baptist Church Grenada called, and I'm so glad he did. I wasn't looking for the phone to ring, but when it did, we began to pray. And God brought us here, and we've enjoyed these last ten months. 
And there's spiritual debts that I have here today that I'll never, ever repay. If there's nothing more that you hear from those stories, you could share some of the same things about people and churches and Sunday school teachers and coaches and parents and pastors who have all invested in your life. You have a debt that you will never, ever, ever repay. That's why Paul says, Philemon, I want you to know you've got a debt you'll never, ever repay. And when you have an individual that comes in front of you and he desires forgiveness, you better grant it. What if you owed one billion dollars to somebody? And then after that, somebody steals from you a hundred dollars. How would you feel Asking for that hundred dollars. Would you hold those people accountable for that? Would you hold a grudge until you got that back? You say, Brother John, that's a silly illustration. That's exactly the way it is in our spiritual life. That Jesus Christ has died for us and He has so many people that have invested in our life. Many times we hold a grudge of unforgiveness over something that is so small and so trivial. We as believers have been blessed and has been given so much that when it comes to things where people hurt us or people wrong us, it's an opportunity for God's grace to pour out into our life from an individual, from you, who have been blessed by so many ways. It ought to be easy as a Christian to say, I'm sorry, to say, I forgive you, to say, I love you. And if you don't know how to do that, I pray that God would work in your heart that God would soften that heart to where you can say that. We live in an evil, evil world. And the quicker you learn how to do that, the much easier I promise your life will be. Show God's grace. It's an opportunity for grace. Paul is saying that. He says, you owe me even your own self besides. Verse 20 says, yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Not only is it an opportunity for grace, but it's also an opportunity for godliness. It's an opportunity for godliness. We have been given so much that we must forgive. We must offer forgiveness. The Bible says in verse 20, once again, Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. That phrase right there, have joy. Maybe your translation uses the word benefit. It's the verb form of the noun Onesimus. You remember last week when we looked back in the passage, the word profitable is the noun for the word Onesimus. Paul uses that same play on words. The same root word. It's the verb form. He says, I will let, my, let me have joy or the benefit from you in the Lord. Then he closes in verse 20. Refresh my heart in the Lord. I've heard that somewhere before. You remember back up in verse 7. Paul talks about Philemon. He says we have great joy and consolation in your love. Because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you brother. Now Paul says hey I'd like some of that. You've been so godly to your church. You've been so godly to those that are meeting in your home. Paul says, can I have some of that? 
Can I see some of that godliness on display? See, it's not about the 99 people that you love, the 99 people that you associate with, the 99 people that you fellowship with, the 99 people that you worship with. Oh, that's good and dandy. It's the one person. It's that one enemy. It's that one person who has wronged you. It's that one person that you're out of fellowship with. It doesn't matter if there are a million people in a church service. If there are two that are out of, out of odds, then I'd be very cautious if even the Holy Spirit would even work. Because there's a quenching of the Holy Spirit of God. But forgiveness is an opportunity for godliness. The word refreshed, you remember two weeks ago, is a military term. It speaks of an army resting from a march. Philemon brought troubled people rest and renewal. He was a peacemaker. And Paul says, hey, put my heart to rest and forgive Philemon. Put my heart to rest. Take the stress out of my life and extend an arm of forgiveness. It's an opportunity for godliness. So do you love Jesus? Then you forgive. Do you desire to walk in the Holy Spirit of God? Then forgive. Do you desire to please Him in all things? Then forgive. Do you desire for His Spirit to fall fresh on you every day? Then forgive. Do you desire for your church to experience revival and an unprecedented move of God? Then forgive. Do you desire to look like Jesus, act like Jesus, talk like Jesus, walk like Jesus, think like Jesus, and live like Jesus? Then learn how to forgive. Learn how to let it go. Learn to put it at the cross and learn how to be godly. Not in 99% of your life, but in all of your life. The Bible says in Jeremiah that God knows the secret places. Secret places. Jeremiah 23, 24 The Scripture says, Can anyone hide himself in secret places so I shall not see him, says the Lord. The Lord knows what's in your heart. The Lord knows if you have a broken heart. The Lord knows if there is something in your life that you need to let go. No one else may know that, but God does. And the good thing about it is, we can't help, but God can. The Holy Spirit can help you this morning to let go of that and to offer forgiveness because it's an opportunity for godliness. Would you be willing for God to deal with you the same way you want to see your offender dealt with? Would you be okay with that? Let me ask that one more time. Would you be okay if God dealt with you the same way you want the person that hurt you or wronged you dealt with? So oftentimes when somebody hurts us, we say, I just wish they would fall off the face of the earth. How would you like it if God dealt with you that way? Many times we say, well, if I just never see them again, I'll be fine with that. What if God never spoke to you anymore? Would I be willing for God to deal with me in the same way I want to see my offender dealt with? I pray and I hope not. Because it's an opportunity for grace, but it's also an opportunity for godliness. He says, yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart. Put my heart to rest in the Lord. Verse 21, having confidence 
in your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. Paul says, Philemon, I know you are a godly man, and you may even do more than I'm even asking for you. Remember, throughout this whole text, the word forgiveness is never mentioned, but it's implied. And Paul never asked Philemon to forgive Onesimus. He just says to do the right thing. If he owes you anything, I'll take care of that. Philemon, as he reads this letter, remember, it's Onesimus along with a guy named Tychicus who's taking this letter from Rome to Colossae where, Paul is at, where Philemon is at. And Philemon opens this letter, recognize who it's from, and Onesimus is standing right there, the one who has wronged him, the one who should die for what he's done. And Philemon reads this letter and he says, I know you'll do even more than even I'm asking, or more than I would say. Verse 22, But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me. For I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you as Mark and Aristarchus and Demas and Luke and my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Christ be with you in your spirit. Amen. Number three, and the last one is, it's not only an opportunity for grace, it's not only an opportunity for godliness, but it's an opportunity, Christian, listen, it's an opportunity for growth. Christians grow. Apple trees bear apples. Orange trees bear oranges. Christians bear fruit. We bear godliness. We bear love and joy because it is a proof of what's inside of us. The seed of the Holy Spirit has been placed inside of you when you give your life to Christ. As a result of that, it produces spiritual growth. There's a host of encouragers in this text, and we'll get to some of them in just a second. But by Philemon praying for Paul's release, he says in verse 22, Paul, uh, the, the, the trial, this is his first time he's in jail, and very uh, didn't have much evidence of what he did wrong. He didn't do anything wrong. He's simply preaching the gospel. But Paul knew he was about to be released. And he's eventually wanting to go to Spain. And that's where he ends up his missionary journeys. But he wants to go see and visit these churches again. He's coming back to Philemon. So he asks Philemon to pray for him. Pray that he'll be released. But Philemon knows if he prays for Paul's release, then he better forgive Onesimus because Paul is coming. Paul is coming back. And he expects to see Philemon and Onesimus on the same page. The page of redemption. The page of spiritual growth. Some of these encouragers in this text, verse 23, Epaphras. Epaphras most likely was the founder of the church of Colossae. He's listed in other parts of Paul's letters. Mark is mentioned here in verse 24. This is John Mark. He's also the author of the Gospel of Mark. Mark has an interesting testimony, but during this time he is, a, is, is a, uh, a, a soldier and a fellow missionary of Paul. He was a member of the cousin of Barnabas. Aristarchus, not much is known about Aristarchus, although he was a Jewish believer. He was from Thessalonica, a longtime friend of Paul's. When Paul ends a lot of his letters, Aristarchus is there as well. Demas, most of the time you see the word Demas in the Bible. Paul mentions him in a very negative way as a, as a soldier who has departed. 2 Timothy, the end of 2 Timothy 4 speaks of that. But here in this passage, Demas was there. Luke, uh, the beloved physician, the author of the Gospel of Luke, one who frequently traveled with Paul. All of these are here. Can you imagine Philemon hearing this and reading about these names that he knows? Mark, Epaphras. Aristarchus, 
and Luke, Demas, all these that love together. It's almost like the passage where we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us therefore run the race with perseverance and joy and, and to endure the cross that Christ has before us. That we do it with joy. The reason why you can forgive is because the person in front of you and beside you is praying for you and saying, just let it go. We're here with you. There are times where we need to be prayed for. There are circumstances where we get hurt and we need someone else to pray. But there are folks all around this room that are praying for you. Maybe not know the situation. Maybe not even know your heart. But they're praying. They're praying for every child of God in this room that there will be no unforgiveness and no bitterness that is there. Isn't it great to have a host of encouragers expecting us to do the right thing because we are all in this together. We as believers are children of God. We are works in progress, walking towards spiritual growth to be just like Jesus Christ. When somebody has wronged us, praise God, there are accountability folks and encouragers beside us saying, now you know what you need to do, don't you? And you can do it. You can let go of it and give it to God and to be released from a spiritual prison of unforgiveness. I'm going to ask if you would to bow your heads. Everybody in this place this morning. Don't check out on me yet. I'm not finished. But I just want you to bow your heads. I want you in your heart right now to make a list in your heart make a list of every single person who has wronged you or hurt you just in your heart you may want to call them out by name in your heart to the Lord it's something you don't have to think about very often because you know you've got those names in your heart you've got them on your mind will you right now thank God for them Sir, Brother John, what in the world are you saying? I want you to thank God for the people that wronged you and hurt you. Because it's people like that that teach you humility. It's people that wrong you that teach you how to walk with Jesus. It's people like that that teach you how to forgive. Would you thank God for them today? third thing I want you to do is to confess. Confess in your heart to that offender. It may be something you have to do even after the service if that person is here, that person is somewhere else. But to confess that to that offender where you've been wrong. It's not about what they've done, but it's about what you've done. Confess hatred. Confess bitterness. Confess unforgiveness gossip, whatever it may have been. And then number four, as Jesus Christ has fully forgiven you, will you forgive them? And it's not a question of debate. It's a question of when are you going to do it? Because until you forgive, you are walking every moment of your life in disobedience to the will of God. Would you forgive them? Forgiveness is not a feeling, it is a choice. It is an act of the will. It is a commitment to clear the other person's record and never hold that offense against them again.
And then the last thing is to confirm your love to them. Shower them with goodness and with kindness. Brother John, are you still talking about the person that wronged me? Absolutely. Shower them with love and with kindness. And allow God to work in your heart and to heal you. The Lord will work on the other party just as He's working on you. But this, this isn't about somebody else. This is about you. You have an opportunity today to display the grace of God. The godliness that can be in your life. And then also the spiritual growth that can be in your life. You may be here and you're not a believer. You've never come to a place where you've confessed your sins and asked Jesus to forgive you and you've repented of them. His forgiveness extends as far as to where you are at. All you've got to do is trust Him. All you've got to do is accept Him. He's the one who has given you more than you can ever imagine. And all you've got to do is surrender to Him. And I pray if you're here today and you've never made that decision to follow Jesus in just a minute when we sing, I want you to come down. If you're in the balcony, I'll wait on you. If you're down here on the main floor, I want you to come. And I'll be down here. Brother Jeremy will be down here. We'd love to lead you to how to have a relationship with Jesus and to be forgiven forever of your sins that you have. You may be a guest. This is where God's called you to be a part of our church. You can come in just a few minutes. But for Christian, don't leave this place. with an unforgiving heart. I believe in my own heart the best place to leave any type of sin is at the altar. Anybody can do it in a pew. But it takes something special to step out and to say, Lord, I'm out of my box and I need healing today. He'll do it if you'll let Him. Father, I thank You for today. God, I pray You would heal hearts all across this room. God, there are those who need to be saved. Lord, would You bring them God, would they come? God, there are those who need healing from bitterness or unforgiveness, gossip, hatred. God, they have been blessed in so many ways. They have a debt they can never repay. May they released, release their own temporal debt today and give it to you. God, we wait upon you now and ask that you'd move in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want you to stand. Continue.